0: This is CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring you today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here today with Tim Hall, the author of the funny and very entertaining Burt Shambles Mystery Series. The second book in the series, Tie-Died, was released in May. Tim, welcome.
1: Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, this is a treat. Let's let's get started by talking about uh, Bert, your your protagonist. Bert Shambles. He's sort of a, a unique
1: protagonist.
0: <laughs> that's that's what uh, I that's what I do when I think of Bert. I I I chuckle.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, Yeah, Bert's very dear to my heart. Um, I, I think he is a little bit unique. Uh, special but i think like any parent you know we always think our kids are the most special in the world but um yeah bert's a, a young guy he's 23 he's back living in long island in his hometown which he kind of Dreads because he's been trying his whole life to get off of Long Island. And, uh, you know, but he, he, he has a little bit of a past. You know, he got into a little bit of trouble, but he was doing a very noble and heroic thing. He thought at the time it just kind of went a little bit wrong. So he's kind of paying the price for it now. And he has to basically kind of stay employed and out of trouble for a few years. And then... He'll be okay, but but he definitely had a brush with the law that he wasn't expecting so uh so he's kind of stuck back home and uh th- that causes a lot of the tension and and the conflict and the humor of the series
0: now, one of the things that I initially liked about the first book in the series was Bert's car. Tell us about Bert's car
1: oh well great thank you yes you were one of the first people who picked up on that um you know i love throwing in little fantasy elements like that and i remember when i was young maybe 18 or so uh there were still enough of these classic muscle cars kind of around and i have just enough memories of the 70s to remember my neighbors working on their Mach ones or their uh mm-hmm. chargers or challengers so one of my favorite ones was always um the late 60s olds uh like the cutlass the 442s and some of those i i just love the the lines and the look and i've never been much of a car guy even though i grew up in a very you know car dependent kind of suburban environment um which i guess which is why i'm in the the heart of the city now without a car <laughs> but um but but i always love those cars and when i first started shopping for a car in my early 20s i i was looking and and trying to maybe pick up an old car like that so anyway Bert drives a 1968 Olds 442, which actually is based on a car. I, I I mix in very little of my real life in this book, but that is reminiscent of um, of old elderly couple I used to mow the grass for, and this is similar in the book too. The man had a 1969. Um, I believe it was uh, it was an Impala or a Caprice Classic, and it was it was kind of one of the souped up Chevys from that era. It was like a two door. I forget what there was, what the engine was, but it was in absolute deadman condition. It had about twenty thousand miles on it. The guy, you know, polished it with little lambs wool cloth, and he had little baby lambs breathing on it, you know, to fog up the window so he could clean it. <laughs> this thing was absolutely obsessively kept, and I remember I used to think like. That is like, I just want that car. You know, <laughs> like I just want. So I kind of transposed the two ideas, and the the gentleman, you know, passed away eventually, and then his wife, I think, gave it to one of the kids or the grandkids or something. But I always remember that was my fantasy. Was that she'd say, "Tim, you know, you'll be going off to college. Do you want this car for five hundred dollars or something?" <laughs> and that was my fantasy. So years later, I got to live out my fantasy by giving a car like that to
0: my hero. Oh, how cool. I had, when I was in high school, uh, in the mid 70s, uh, the coolest guy in our high school, who I I was so uncool, we weren't even friends, but I admired him from afar. (laughs) But he drove a pristine white Olds 442. And it was just a spectacular car. And so as soon as I as, as soon as that I read that on the page. It just jumped out at me. So I didn't mean to get off into a car talk kind of thing here because Bert's not really all about cars. Bert's about a lot of other things. Tell us about Bert's job. He's got sort of an – you mentioned that he had to work uh, for legal reasons. Tell us about his job because it's kind of an unusual job.
1: Right. Well, part of the reasons why he was able to get off with a – just kind of a slap on the wrist in a way – is that he was uh, protected by the local pastor at the church where he used to be an altar boy and his mom's very active in the church. And, you know, he's at that young man age where he couldn't really maybe care less about it, but he still has these sort of, I I think of them as kind of angels protecting him. And the, the pastor at this church, there's a little thrift shop attached to the church and guaranteed that he could have you know, continuous part-time employment there at this thrift shop. So Bert kind of works part-time at this little thrift shop and he tries to supplement the income doing other odd jobs or selling. He finds, you know, good condition, vintage clothes sometimes that he can resell to these hipster boutiques in Brooklyn. Uh, so he tries to, he's trying to make an honest living and trying to He's a hard worker, but that's his main gig is he works part-time in this little thrift shop. Um, you know, very kind of like very bare bones kind of flunky existence, really.
0: So I, I think people are getting a good sense of who Bird is. You mentioned hipster boutiques, and in tie dye we go from hipster boutiques to hippies. And um, let's tell the listeners a little bit about the story of tie dye
1: Okay, sure. Well, tie uh, it basically has a rock and roll kind of theme, and it was sort of triggered by my love for you know, shows like Antiques Roadshow, and and I am a real, like, thrift shop aficionado. I grew up, you know, first out of necessity, having to buy all my clothes and stuff out of thrift shops, but I used to find so many wonderful things in there, and it's always been such a They've always been fascinating places to me, and and I think a lot of people. You know, we have these thrift shop, Flip It, or, you know, uh, antique shows and all these different shows, which I'm addicted to most of them, on table. Um, This story kind of spins off of that, where a young woman whose father had been a musician in the 60s, he was sort of an up-and-coming hippie, psychedelic rocker. Um, Didn't work out for him as a rock star, but he went more into commercial and and professional music as like uh, advertising and things, but he's passed away and she has recognized him because of the notoriety he got from the first book, the first case he solves unexpectedly in the town. (laughs) He's become a a minor local celebrity and she recognizes him at the library and asks him to help her dispose of some of her dad's rock and roll memorabilia. So as a result of getting involved with this very sort of cool, beautiful, like free spirited hippie daughter, because she's very much like her daddy's girl, you know, she's in her 30s. She's not she's the daughter of this hippie musician, but she's also picked up on it very much. Um, So he starts helping her and then one thing leads to another. And it turns out that some of this memorabilia might actually have a different past or other people might want it for other reasons that they're not expecting.
0: And then the story takes off, and and we go on with a wonderful story. So let's talk a little bit about the genre that this is in. I I noticed on your website, which is timhallbooks.com, that you describe the series as a new adult cozy series, which is kind of a genre mashup. How did did you come up with that?
1: Well, I I really think of it as a as a cozy series primarily, but I've always loved that age group, you know, the early twenties. And I had said a lot of my early writing, I guess it just reminds me a lot of when I was first starting out writing and trying to find myself in a lot of ways that I've always liked that kind of age very much. And I only recently, about a couple of years ago, realized that there's actually a whole new genre called New adult, you know. I think if uh-huh. you think of young adult or tweens or whatever, and I was a little bit surprised, but I was very happy. So I've kind of tagged that on because, you know, the concerns of that genre—the age group that is starting out in life, the troubles of romance and economics and whatever else you're you're struggling with at that age—sort of in that immediate post-college age. Um, I've always loved that time of life. So I immediately, like, I just threw my hand up and was like, yeah, that's this. I'm in on that. You know, like (laughs) I I want some of that. Um, And also part of that, Steve, you know, the, I have a a dear, uh, well, now he's a friend, but he just started out as um, kind of a fan. I have a champion at a, he's a English professor out at St. Francis college out in um, Illinois, uh, Joliet. And he, loves my work. And he actually taught the first book. It, he did a crime fiction class for his students. And I got to say, you know, the response, they, they wrote me something like 50 questions. The class had all these questions. They invited me out there to go speak to them. I mean, I know that my love for that age and that genre is definitely must come out somewhere because they far and away responded like the most enthusiastically to pretty much any that more than any other group to anything else I've written, so I've been very encouraged by the response so far. Uh, that's, so that, that's where the, the new adult came from,
0: and that's that's really cool because it really does fit nicely as a new adult book and it 's a it 's a good mystery it 's a fun it, and there are some cozy elements t- to it so like like a lot of things it 's hard to strictly categorize
1: it is and i 'm not i don 't pretend to be in the business, and I know a lot of people don 't like labels. I just want the right labels you know i, I just don 't want the wrong labels mm-hmm. so i 'm doing my best to my publisher and I talk about other you know professionals in the field, and everyone has an opinion, but ultimately you know uh, until i 'm on like a big name publisher or maybe moved up the rank somewhere where the marketing departments are maybe more experienced or refined. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've got to kind of just take my best shot and, you know, and, and really try to target this the best that I can.
0: And as it is, if people read this series, they're going to like it. There, there's no doubt in my mind about that because it's it's a fun, he's a, he's a fun, engaging character. The stories are good. And, and that's why we read.
1: Oh, well, thank you. That's
0: why I write. <laughs> so we're talking about Bert, and when we get back to the cozy side of things, Bert is a completely non traditional character for A Cozy Mystery. So how, how are pure, cozy readers reacting to, to Bert?
1: Well, so far it's been positive. I love the community, and I have a, a great affection for so many of the the writers in the field. Uh, I'm going out to Mouse Domestic again in Maryland in uh, first weekend of May, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm collaborating with a couple of people on other stories and series ideas. So the community of cozy writers, uh, I joke, it feels like going to a Vassar reunion or something you know i feel like the ratio is about 10 to 1 women to men maybe it's seven to one or something but i was incredibly welcomed i had a wonderful time um and again i'm i'm only there because i love it and Mm -hmm. i i'd rather just be the the redheaded stepchild whatever i'd rather just be the oddball but know that i belong there that i love it um so the reaction's been really good uh I think part of it, you know, unfortunately, Steve, I'm cursed with kind of contrarianism at times. (laughs) I felt like I loved so many cozies before I even knew what the term was, and I was such a big fan of the Agathas and then... Caroline Graham and Josephine Tay and all the all the other writers, so many of the female traditional and then other types of mysteries I've read all across the genre, that I just I guess I just wanted to see one of these stories with someone that I could maybe identify with more. So I thought, boy, wouldn't that be funny to put a young guy, and especially since he's stuck back in a suburban kind of milieu in a small town and everything that he kind of doesn't want to be i just feel like it it just started making me chuckle when i thought about it because i did try i did start with some female characters and different ages and i experimented with a lot of different people and i thought boy why don't i just make this as difficult on my protagonist as humanly possible (laughs) and i think that uh and I think I get to show a lot of things, um, and I'm, hope, I'm hoping the traditional cozy reader will identify with him that he's young, he's, he means well, he's vulnerable, he's, he's very chivalrous, he's very kind towards women, he, he's really a good, good-hearted person. And I, and I try to play off all that, too, with humor, so that's what I'm hoping they will identify with.
0: It's, it's just a wonderful series. The first book in the series was Deadstock, which was released in, was it late 2013 or early 2014?
1: Yeah. Late? Uh, late 2013, yeah.
0: Okay. What do you like to read, Tim? You, you mentioned that you read a lot of traditional mysteries. Do you read outside the genre?
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Um, in fact, mystery was the only genre that I actually kept with from my youth. Um, mm-hmm. I started out fantasy, sci-fi, read tons of all that. And then uh, slowly it all began to drop away. And I'd say that uh, that the only type of books I've read genre since I was younger um, have been Crime and Mystery. And over the years, I always preferred the more gentle, traditional, cozy type mysteries. I was never a blood and guts. I mean, I read Jim Thompson. I read all mm-hmm. the... James M. Kane. I've read all the hard-boiled, and I love Dashiell Hammond. I mean, I think he's one of the great innovators in American literature. Um, Chandler I like, but I, I would not put him up on the same pedestal. But I've read all the the major works and writers. Love Lawrence Block, of course. The Bernie Rodenbar oh, yeah. series was a huge influence on me. And and through him found Donald Westlake, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, What's, uh, John D. McDonald is one of my great heroes, so I, I love the adventure side of it, too. Um, the Travis McGee series was mm-hmm. a huge influence. So, But outside of the genre, I mean, I started out doing experimental poetry and, and flash fiction, and I was reading The Beats, Gregory Corso in college, you know, all that stuff, very romantic stuff, Blake and uh, Keats and Corso and... Kerouac and Ginsberg, et cetera. Wow. And then uh, pretty wide read. But yeah. So nowadays I just, I read a lot of, uh, mysteries mostly. I have a lot of friends in the genre now, so I'm trying to keep up on all their books, which is a full time. It
0: uh, is a challenge. Once you, once you have a lot of writer friends, you want to read their books and it, it becomes a challenge to keep up and get your own writing done.
1: It does. I, I, I always struggle with the guilt over that, that I'm not reading, uh, you know, all this, all, all my friends, latest books. um, but yeah, so, so I've been a very voracious reader over the years, uh, a lot of literary fiction and a lot of other things. But crime mystery has always been my my dearest, truest uh, love.
0: I am right with you there. Tim, what's the best way for people to keep up with you, your work, your writing?
1: Well, I think my website has the links to the uh, social media stuff. I'm, I'm not the best at keeping that stuff up. But I think at facebook.com slash timhallbooks. I try to use timhallbooks at in everything I can. So I think Twitter, Facebook, and and on my website, that's where you generally find me. So that's as good a place as any to start.
0: Okay. And again, the website is timhallbooks.com. Tim, it was great talking to you.
1: Stephen, thanks so much. I really appreciate it.
0: This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. If you listen to the show on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review to help other readers discover the show. And if you found us somewhere else out there on the web... You can learn more about the show and subscribe to get every episode delivered to your inbox at www.crimefiction.fm. Thanks for listening.